welcome to Women's Football Success. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. This is episode 1812. Really quick, I just want to put out a disclaimer, as I always do. Um, I am an attorney licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas, but I'm not your attorney. All the information that I put out here on Women's Football Success, uh, Super Small Biz, and my other websites, along with all the digital and print materials, are for business purposes only, for informational purposes only. They do not create an attorney-client relationship and therefore um, do not constitute legal advice. So real quick this week, I was, I was trying to debate on what to talk about this week that would kind of collectively get to all of our audiences, which like I said, include um, the team owners, the coaches, the support staff and the players. And it's really difficult to get content out there to all different groups each week because each set of people, I guess you could say, not only do they overlap, sometimes sometimes you have an owner that's also a player, but also a coach or player, coach, owner, player. Um, but in addition to that, um, there's a lot of different components that go into women's football that maybe the owner needs to know, but the player does not need to know, or that the coach needs to know that support staff really doesn't care about. So um, we like to put that content out there and we're going to continue putting that content out there. But today I was really thinking about what content could I put out there to really um, kind of bring together collectively some information for women's football. And I got onto the topic of leadership. When it comes to women's football, we have so many different wheels moving and different components moving when you deal with the owner, support staff, coach, and player that it's difficult to determine roles within the organization and also to set up different leadership styles because a lot of people don't realize that you, within an organization, um, you can have multiple different leadership styles and leadership uh, individuals going on within one organization. So for example, ownership to coach, there's gonna be a different style of owner, a different style of leadership from the owner's perspective as there is the coach's perspective there's even going to be a different perspective if the owner is also the coach. Um, and then again, there'll be a, maybe a different perspective if the owner is also a player or a support staff or, or whatever the case may be. So I really wanted to get into kind of this general topic of leadership. And I think it will help teams and players to understand that women's football is an organization it is a business and going back to kind of the what pushes me what drives me with women's football success is that i feel that all of these teams can be very successful from all different facets the coaches can be very successful the players can be successful the staff can put on great events and help the team be successful and then the of course the owners are the backbone of the leadership of the organization. So when it comes to an organization, 
Leaders are either making it happen, good or bad, allowing it to happen, good or bad, or preventing preventing it from happening, good or bad. So that kind of is an all-encompassing statement about the leaders of an organization. Now within a women's football team, you're gonna have several different leaders. You're gonna have leaders on and off the field with teammates, you're gonna have leaders on and off the field with coaches. You're gonna have leaders on and off the field with the background um, volunteer coordination and extra events and fundraising. And you're gonna have leaders, leaders on and off the field with regards to the entire event or the entire game that's going on um, in front of an audience or a crowd of people. But ultimately, if a person takes on the role as a leader within an organization, whether it's a player leader, a coach leader, an owner leader, you're either making it happen, allowing it to happen, or preventing it to happen. Now, you, as a leader, need to be responsible and accept the responsibility for whether you are allowing it to happen, preventing it from happening, or making it happen. I hope that makes a little bit of sense because um, there's going to be some people on your team that are not the leaders, that are not leaders um, on, the, on the field. So, for example, you may have 40 players. You may have three or four or five leaders that lead them through a practice or lead them on the field. But those people might ultimately be leaders in their personal life, in their personal jobs. So all of these components have to be taken into effect and, and realized when you are bringing together this organization that we are calling a women's football team. I struggle with going into the different types of leaders because um, if you go, if you were to Google leadership or leadership styles, some of them say that there's five leadership styles. Some of them say there's nine leadership styles. Some of them say there's 12. There's hybrid styles. And the way you really want to look at leadership is not necessarily specific to a person and how that person acts all the time, but to how they do certain things. Once I go through the leadership styles, I'm going to kind of explain how that can be interpreted in a women's football team, why it's important for us to understand these concepts, and then I'm going to give you some, not tricks, but I'm going to give you some tips from uh, one of the best uh, leaders of all time, and um, some of you guys will know who I'm talking about. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, I want to talk about leadership because as, as I've mentioned from time to time in women's football, um, a lot of teams lack leadership and or lack the understanding that a women's football team is an organization that requires leadership. So I kind of wanted to back things up and kind of get to the backbones of women's football um, last week, I talked about a topic, uh, tryouts. We've talked about kind of briefly before, but I felt like it was a really good time, a really important time 
to talk about tryouts last week because I think that it's something that these teams that we have in women's football really need to ramp up and get geared up to have tryouts so that there's no excuse as to why we don't have enough players for all of the teams next year. With that being kind of where I'm going with this, I wanted leadership to be the next component in kind of getting everybody to look at themselves, look at those around them, determine what kind of leaders you are having lead your team or lead your coaching staff or lead your players. Um, and I say you, meaning the person that's listening to this you know, talk show, are you the leader? You may be the leader that I'm talking to, or you may need to change the way you're leading people. So I wanted to kind of just go through the different styles of leadership, um, very basic, and then kind of explain how they may or may not apply to women's football teams and why they might be good or bad for women's football teams. So when you are out there on the field practicing, coaching, or running a team, you can recognize some of these things in the people around you and kind of just be aware of what's going on around you. I think a lot of times in women's football, we are not looking at these types of things and it's super important to understand. So I'm gonna go through, I think I'm gonna have time to go through 12 different types um, and some of them mesh into other types and I'm gonna talk a little bit about them and then move on. Um, and give you some tips and strategies um, of some one of the best leaders, uh, Sun Tzu. Um, he, he was a, a leader back centuries ago, and he really had, was a, a strategy and warfare leader. Um, not that women's football is warfare or that we're going to war, but when you think about it, our teams work together or should be working together but also work against each other on a weekly basis. So that's where the different leaderships come together, that we have to have these leadership styles that work together, and we also have to have these leadership styles that strategically work against each other. Does, I hope that makes sense. So I'm gonna start with an autocratic leader. Um, this is where it is centered on the boss. In this leadership, the boss holds all authority, all responsibility. Um, this leader makes all the decisions on their own without consulting with, um, you know, the lower or lower level people or subordinates. Um, they reach decisions and communicate them to the coaches and the players and then expect them to do that. There's little or no flexibility. Um, and this kind of leader... Um, Guidelines, procedures, policies are basically how the team is run. Now, in ways that's good, but you don't have to be an autocratic leader to have guidelines, policies, and procedures. And I'll explain that later. Um, but statistically, very few situations actually support autocratic leadership. Um, for example... Um, Donald Trump's organization, and I'm not a Trumper, Hillary, or whatever fan, but 
the organizational structure or say Dunlap tires, um, they have this very autocratic structure. Um, there's specific processes and procedures on how to make the tires, what specifications the tires need to meet, and there is a specific way to do this. Um, so that's kind of an autocratic leadership style. Now, some coaches have this kind of style. These are the plays. Um, I'm not taking input on how you like my plays or how you want me to draw up my plays. These are the plays and these are the plays that we're gonna run or not run. Um, so that is an autocratic style within their whole scope of leadership. Not all coaches are autocratic leaders and, and there's reasons why they can't be and shouldn't be. Um, let's get on to the democratic leadership style. This is one where the subordinates are all involved in making decisions. Um, unlike the autocratic leadership, um, the head of the leadership is based on all of the subordinates. So the democratic leader um, holds the final responsibility, but he or she delegates authority to others who determine the work products, projects, and what we're gonna do and how we're gonna do it. So um, this again is a style that can be used in women's football where um, teams are trying to decide on, I'm trying to come up with an example that that models women's football, but a lot of times a, a leader maybe, let's just give an example of kind of the, the smashing together of the autocratic and the democratic. Autocratic um, is going to tell you exactly what your fundraisers are gonna be for a women's football team. A democratic leader may go to the players and say, hey, I want you to come up with 20 fundraisers that you think will work, but I am ultimately going to pick five and those are going to be the fundraisers that we do. I hope that makes sense with you. Um, the most unique feature of being a democratic leader is the communication um, is active both upward and downward. So there's not like a, a hierarchy of um, communication. Some teams in women's football will have like um, the, the captains are the ones that talk to the coach or the captains are the ones that talk to ownership about issues that the captains have been told by their players. Um, and that's good and bad. Um, a lot of times in women's football that can hurt the stability of the team because if players are having complaints and they're giving them to their leader, their their captain, and the captain doesn't agree with those problems, then that captain may not communicate that up the chain of command. So um, ideally, it's good to have this upward and downward ability to communicate, uh, kind of like an orp open door policy, if you will. I hope this really helps you guys to kind of get an idea of what kind of leadership's going on around you in your um, women's football team and maybe we can work on what's working and what's not working and collectively come up with some ideas uh, of what could work better um, 
but it's really interesting. A lot of times women's football don't even talk about this type of stuff within women's football. I'm going to talk about strategic leadership style next. And this is one that involves the leader who, um, again, is essentially the head of the organization. Um, the strategic leader is not limited to those at the top of the organization, but geared towards a wider audience. So uh, a strategic leadership style may have, um, for example, you have the owner is a leader and the coach is a leader of his staff and the captain is a leader of their core group. Um, so this is usually geared towards a wider audience um, where you wanna create high performance teams within the organization. This leadership style fills the gap between the need for new possibilities and the need for practicality. So let me explain that a little bit more. Um, by having this, this kind of tiered leadership style where there's strategically an owner with a, a couple of uh, support staff underneath it, and then there's a coach with several uh, coaches underneath it, and then players with maybe five different players with five different players underneath them. What this allows to happen is it makes it more cohesive in being able to communicate um, things among the group. So for example, every coach does not go to the owner to talk to the owner. The coaches go to their leader coaches, maybe the assistant coaches go to the offensive and defensive coordinator, and then the offensive and defensive coordinator and the head coach go to the owner and talk to them. Um, this facilitates more efficiency. Um, but again, going back to the what we talked about before, it's super important that all of the complaints and positive comments get communicated along that process or else something's gonna fall through the loop. The next type of leadership, which is my favorite, is transformational leadership. And this was super big, especially in the 90s um, when I studied leadership um, at school. Um, but unlike other leadership styles, transformational leadership is all about creating change within the organization, within the group, and within yourself. So I find it more complex and so maybe that's why I like this kind of this kind of leadership style. But I also think it's really, really good for women's football teams. And the reason why is because, um, well, let me talk about what transformational leadership is first, and then let's talk about why I think it's awesome. Um, transformational leaders, they motivate others to do more than they originally thought they could do. Um, and I talk about, you know, if you've listened to any of my other shows, I talk about women's football as a whole in that way that we could, together we can do more than we thought possible if we would just, could just come together. Um, but transformational leadership, um, you set up more challenging expectations, um, trying to achieve a higher performance. So the, the concept or the the ultimate goal is to do better do and do greater and to teach people 
to transform themselves into leaders as well. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to the idea of leaving a place better than what you found it or leaving this world better than you found it. Or um, the concept that I also like is uh, if you give your child a fish, he can eat for a day. If you teach your child to fish, they can feed themselves forever. So I really take on that transformational leadership style in thinking that if we can bring that to a team, for example, we have our, our captains on our team. And if each of those, if we can teach those leaders how to be great leaders, and then they can then motivate those beneath them to also be leaders in their own right. They might not be the same type of leader and they might not lead in the same direction. They might do something different in, in lead, leading to higher performance or higher expectations within their group. Um, statistically, Transformational leadership tends to be more committed um, and satisfies followers. And when I talk about followers, I'm not talking about I'm a leader, you're a follower, you're, I'm good, you're bad, um, I'm bigger than you, you're littler than me. But ultimately in a group or an organization or a women's football team, you have leaders and you have followers. There's just this natural tendency for people to be leaders and others to listen to what they have to say. Um, the reason why statistically transformational leadership tends to um, get more commitment and satisfy followers more is mainly because transformational leaders empower the followers to do better, to perform better, to challenge themselves. So I really think that transformational leadership is one of the leadership styles that should be um, included in your women's football team. And if this is starting to bore you, please just kind of stay with me for a little bit because the reason this is so important is that women's football teams are not taken seriously because people are not treating them like businesses, like organizations. Women's football teams are huge organizations. Even though players don't get paid and volunteers don't get paid and a lot of times coaches don't get paid, it's still an organization full of approximately 50 to 75 people, which makes it a good size organization. So in order for us to be successful as an organization and as a business, we need to treat this organization as a business which includes leadership. So um, let me get on to the next type of leadership, which is perfect for this point. It's called team leadership, and it involves the creation of a picture of where we are going, what we are going to accomplish. Um, it includes inspiration and a sense of purpose, but also a direction in where we're going. This should be huge in all women's football teams. If you're not hearing this, if, if this stuff seems foreign to you, you guys need to get on the bandwagon and start thinking about where your leadership is coming from within your women's football team. Do you have a sense of direction? Do you have a sense of purpose as to why we're going? Or do we just go do this fundraiser and we go do that fundraiser and we hope and pray that it's going to be enough money to get us to the next game? Um, then 
I wouldn't say that those people need to be fired or let go or go away, but there needs to be some, some way to embrace the idea that women's football teams are businesses and teams need direction. Are we going to the championship? Is our is our end goal to go to the championship? Or is our end goal just to not forfeit the next game? That's going to be depend on your leadership, which we talked about at the very beginning. Let me go back. I want to, I want to say this because I think it's super important. When it comes to your organization, your leaders either make it happen, allow it to happen, or prevent it from happening. So if you're the leader or you need to go to your leader, we need to discuss the idea that, hey, we need some direction, we need some guidance. And um, I'm hoping through um, the materials that I'm putting together for you guys and trying to get them out to you guys as soon as possible um, because I need to get this stuff to the teams so that teams can start working on being successful for next year. If you wait until January, February, March, it's going to be too, too late to start working on these things. Your women's football team should be working on them now. If you're not in the playoffs, get started right now. If you're in the playoffs, you still have a little bit of focus on what you're doing first and go into the championship. But after that, we need to start focusing on leadership, tryouts, getting, organ getting things organized. I'm going to help you do that. So, um, real quick, back to the team leadership, right? Creating a purpose, creating a direction, which is huge for women's football because the organization is the team. Um, team leadership is about working with the hearts and the minds of those involved. If you can't get the hearts and the minds of the team players on board with the direction that you're going or the purpose that we're trying to accomplish, you'll have a difficult time in success with this leadership style. Um, and the, the person that's leading this has to have really good quality leadership skills to be able to accomplish team leadership. Let's talk about cross-cultural leadership um, because again, if you look on Google or you look on Facebook, there might be five types of leadership, eight types, 12 types. But women's football is huge or in, in huge need of cross-cultural leadership. This form of leadership normally exists across nations or across a continent, but it includes various cultures. Hello, people. We need to talk about this. Cross-cultural leadership includes or exists when there are various cultures of society working. That's women's football up and down. The leadership style that embraces cross-cultural leadership um, helps to unify um, it's particularly good with international organizations, um, if you're talking like global, but women's football, although our team might, even from a team level, we're not global, but the women's football league is not global, 
but we are cross-cultural 100%. Um, this includes understanding flexibility, understanding different cultures, maybe understanding people that are on your team that maybe don't look or act or do things the way you do. Oh my goodness. Women's football, I, I talk about it all the time where you get getting women, getting 50 women together on a women's football team to move towards one goal of winning a game can be like herding cats. So you really need to embrace the cross-cultural or the cultural component of your women's football team and realize that there are a lot of different people, a lot of different ways that they think things can and should be done, and a lot of different ways for which people um, take things when people say things or when people do things. So, oh my gosh, team leadership, transformational leadership, cross-cultural leadership, these things need to be on your team. Okay, if you're starting to get bored with leadership, just stick with me. Women's football needs leadership. We don't have leadership. We're going to have it. Uh, let's talk about facilitative leadership. Um, this is really not applicable to women's football, but it can be, I guess. Um, I use it as part of uh, the way we measure things, but I don't use it as a leadership style for our players or our coaches. Um, for example, this typically uh, facilitative is like more factory oriented. Um, it's not a lot of skill is involved, but people are measured on their outcomes. Um, so I use a, a little component of facilitative leadership in our team. And the way I do that, for example, if you listen to the show last week, I talk about our tryouts and how we write down people's performance. Um, but I also have my veterans participate in the tryouts and then do a workout afterwards. Because what I'm doing is I'm tracking their numbers. If before they could run um, a 40 in 5-5 five, five, and now they're doing it in 5-2, or they used to be a seven and now they're a six, five. I can track the progress that they're making, even though we're not seeing them every day in the off season, we know that they are doing something to better themselves. So while I don't use it as a leadership style, we do use components of facil facilitative leadership or measurements um, to determine um, the efficiency of what our players are doing. Now, if we have a player that um, first season they came out, they were a 5'5", five, five, and second season they came out, they were a 5'5", five, five, and third season they're still a 5'5", five, five. what that tells us is that we need to change things up. These players need different, different activities to do. So we usually take those measurements and move those over to coaching and say, hey, what do we need to work on? Or if this, we're going to try and move this player to a different position, and in order to do so, this is what we're going to do um, to get her there. Let, let's talk about laissez-faire. People, people have heard of laissez-faire leadership. It is the worst leadership style for women's football. Let me just put that out there. And if you disagree with me, please challenge me because I would love 
to argue back and forth about whether laissez-faire leadership is good or bad for women's football, please, please, please call me if you want to talk about it. Um, and when I say argument, I'm talking about a back and forth debate. I'm not going to, you know, fight you or argue, you know, but um, I would love to have a debate on laissez-faire leadership, which happens so much in women's football. So laissez-faire leadership gives authority to the employees or to the players um, or the subordinates. So there's really no owner or no boss as per as you say um they choose um what they want to do and what they don't want to do um there's minimal interference from the owner of the team if there is even a designated owner a lot of times these the teams will designate one or two people as the board or the founding people and sometimes these teams sign set themselves up as nonprofits and say that the, the organization is in control of itself um, with no interference. Um, research has actually found that this kind of leadership consistently is the least satisfying for its participants and it's the least effective management style. And we have a ton of this going on in women's football. There are a lot of women's football teams that have a player-owned, player approach. Um, the players all get together and kind of do what they want. And if they want to have a bake sale, one does a bake sale, one goes out and does a car wash. This is a really, really poor leadership style for women's football. And I know that teams are doing this. And when I say that I challenge you or that I want to have a debate with you about this kind of leadership style, what I'd like you to do, if you want to call me and tell me why you have this leadership style, or if you're concerned because you came into an organization and this is the leadership style that you've had to use, or it's been it's been the only leadership style that you've been able to accomplish, um, I can help you with that as well. Let's, uh, if it's a style you don't want to be doing, let's fix that as well. Um, some people will say, hey, laissez-faire works for us. We let the the players do m the minimum. They, we don't really keep a track of what they do and we get by fine. Then that that's fine with me too. That's all up to you. Let's talk about, we're almost through with all these leadership styles, but um, transactional leadership. Again, really prevalent in women's football, no doubt. Um, transactional leadership um, this kind of maintains the status quo. Um, it's the leadership style that involves an exchange process whereby followers get immediate tangible results for carrying out the leader's orders. It has an authoritative kind of situation where one person is the boss, the other person is the follower but a transaction happens. Um, so it can sound kind of basic, you know, I'm the, I'm the owner and you're the player, therefore you need to pay your player fee um, and I need to receive your player fee. Um, so some of this is very prevalent in women's football, but you need to be clear, focused on your expectations, 
give feedback on whether somebody's doing it or not doing it. A lot of times people will know this. For example, I go back to player fees because most teams have player fees and um, it's one of the biggest struggles in women's football. But if there's a player fee, say the player fee is $1,000, um, there has to be a clear idea of what the player fee is. There's a focus on expectations. Is it expected to be paid up front? Is it expected to be paid by January, by April, by when? And then giving feedback, um, usually in the form of a receipt is the simplest form of feedback. Uh, you paid $100 of your player fee, you got a receipt for $100 of your player fee. Um, that's very, very typical. Um, now again, everything cannot be related to this, but a lot of teams can use this um, as part of their leadership style. But it clarifies what's expected of the players. It explains how they can meet expectations. Um, it, if there's an award system or reward system, then they know that if they do this, they get this. Um, some teams do it, if you pay your player fee, you get to play. If you don't pay your player fee, you don't get to pay. Um, sometimes that happens and sometimes it works very effectively. I only have three more um, styles that I'm gonna go through real quick. Um, and then let's talk about women's football and leadership and um, talk about some strategies that uh, Sun Tzu used in um, his warfare that I think can apply or translate well into women's football. So number 10 is coaching leadership. So this type of leadership includes, again, just as it says, teaching, supervising, um, explaining. Um, it's highly operational in settings where results and, and performance are, requ are required. Um, so, um, you get thrown the ball, you got to catch the ball. You get thrown the ball, you got to catch the ball. Um, so coaching, you know, what you did wrong, what you did right, um, is very important in this setting. Women's football must have coaching leadership somewhere in its foundational uh, processes. Um, if, if you're just going out to practice and you're just, okay, you need to get 50 reps and you get 50 reps and... You, you don't know if you've caught the balls, not caught the balls. We haven't changed anything up. We're doing things the same way. People aren't um, changing their routes and making sure that their cuts are really good. Um, then you have a problem. And a lot of times the reason why this doesn't happen is because there's not enough coaching and support staff to really help in the guidance and coaching of the players. So it's really important to have a large number of coaching staff, whether that's uh, coordinators, interns, um, assistant coaches, they need to be at practice as well. Um, and if, if we're just letting players run routes, run routes, run routes, and we're never telling them why it's good, why it's bad, then um, we're doing them a disservice, wasting our time and their time. Coaching leadership is super important also for the opposite, for the, the player to understand. Coaching leadership needs to be constructive, it's, but it's not always going to be positive. 
and it's not always going to be super duper nice and fluffy and fun. Now, I, you know, when I talk to my coaches, I, I demand respect for the women players. I let them know that these female players are not here because their dads made them come. They're here because they want to be here. So women's football should be a fun experience. Every, every practice should get more and more fun and be enjoyable and be a learning experience. However, from a player side, a player needs to realize that the coach is not always going to be warm and fuzzy and tell you how great you did things. Um, and some females need that kind of reinforcement. Um, what I would do is let coaches know that you need that kind of reinforcement so that people aren't always negative. Because some coaches can just be negative 110%. Sorry, I'm, I do the show during my um, downtime. And so you'll hear dings. I'm actually in my office. So you might hear also the, sometimes the train goes by. Um, there's a barbecue restaurant next door that smells so good. Um, so you might hear foot traffic back and forth in front of my building, but um, I apologize for that. But let's get back. Coaching leadership is a must within women's football in several facets, but it it needs to be motivating and inspiring and encouraging players. Same thing with coaches. Coaches with their, their downstream of coaching staff, they need to be motivating their coaches, inspiring their coaches, and encouraging their coaches. If everything's negative, then first of all, you'll lose a lot of coaches because most of them are volunteers. But um, it's a super important leadership style that needs to be somewhere within your women's football team. Now, um, not to get off topic, but these are things that need to be in your um, organizational, not chart, but your organizational plan. You know, people, businesses have business plans. Um, businesses should also have operational plans, marketing plans, right? Um, and I'll get to that later in a lot of the talk shows that I'm putting up and, and the webinars that we're doing. But there needs to be an understanding um, about the hierarchy of motivating the follow, motivating the followers, players, motivating, inspiring, and encouraging them all together because otherwise if you don't have 22 players or 11 at least um, some teams by the end of the season we're ending with 10 11 12 15 players um, you got to be able to keep them motivated or they will not be there um, let's talk about a charismatic leader um, which is a very tricky very um, interesting uh, topic because i i've i've had to talk about it a lot lately um Charismatic leaders manifest in themselves like this revolutionary power. Um, they're going to make change come about. It's almost not godly, but um, it's that they get their followers or their believers or their players to trust in what they are going to do or how things will work out. It's, it's interesting. It actually involves transforming the followers' values and beliefs. Now, earlier I talked about transformational leadership where we're transforming people. The, the leader is transforming other people into more leaders. So we have lots of leaders out there on the football team. This kind of leadership 
transforms the followers' values and beliefs. It keeps them followers, doesn't make them leaders. It keeps them followers, but it changes what they believe and value. So this is a really interesting type of leadership. Um, it was used a lot um, in earlier years, the 50s. Um, to distinguish um, charismatic leadership, um, I really wanna focus on, sorry, I'm trying to come up with the right words to say this, but it affects the attitudes towards specific things of the followers. Um, it doesn't make the followers go out there and fix things. It changes their understanding of how things are. Um, it actually kind of can create, it's all, not cult-like, but it can be almost like a cult where the, the, the boss or the leader is getting the followers to think a certain way that is good for the leader, not necessarily for the followers. So this is a leadership style that is really, really bad for women's football for several reasons. Uh, one, because you have 50 players and each of those players are out on the field. And if the leader is not there, what the followers don't know what to do without that leader. They don't know how to make decisions unless that leader is there. They don't know where to go or what to do without that leader. So it's it's really an interesting type of leadership, but um, it's one that really is not necessary within women's football. Um, I'm trying to think of different situations where it would be good, but I'm, I'm just not I'm just not there. Um, and finally, let's talk about and these are not in any specific order, but uh, a visionary leader. Um, this type of leadership involves um, recognizing um, methods, steps, processes um, that are all obtained through people. Um, most great and successful leaders have the aspects of the vision inside them. Uh, visionary leaders, a lot of people talk about Steve Jobs being a visionary leader. He would come up with some crazy, what people thought were far-fetched ideas, but he was able to express that vision to them in a way that would allow them to systematically come up with ways to make it happen. Now, this isn't, this isn't like charismatic leadership where he just changes their values and changes their views and makes them into his soldiers. It's different. It's, it gives them, it allows them to open their minds to come up with the processes and the ways to create what he envisions. So 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, the, the iPhone, he envisioned this phone that could do this, this, and this which was impossible at the time, but he envisioned it and he was able to get his workers to come up with the methods and the computer language and the style and the design and the steps and the processes to actually make it come to life. 
So it's a pretty cool type of leadership. Um, I'm not sure that it works well with women's football, but I just wanted to mention it because it's one of the, you know, 12-ish leadership styles. But um, I mean, I guess it could be possible if on a coaching level, um, coming up with different schemes and plays and, and just trying to be creative um, so that the team next year doesn't know what you're going to be doing this the, the next coming year. Um, so I'm not sure if visionary leadership is really necessary for women's football, but I wanted to leave that, leave that in there to make sure that you kind of had all of them um, and you were educated on all of them. So let's kind of go back to the idea. Again, I understand this may be a super, super boring topic about women's football, but leadership as a player is important. Leadership as a coach is important and leadership as an owner is important. Um, each one of those components may have two or three different styles and you need to decide which styles you're gonna use, but that ultimately determines how your followers or how your players are going to work within your organization. So if you're a, a leading player, a leader player, and you have 10 or 12 players following you, you need to determine which parts of these leadership styles you're going to use and not use, why you're going to do that, and how you're going to use that to motivate those players to uh, accomplish the goals of the organization, which is a women's football team. So real quick, I'm going to get into some, um, which I think, I don't know if you guys know Sun Tzu. He was a Chinese military general, um, and he's known as like, the greatest war leader, strategist, um, when it comes to uh, warfare. And so I thought it was cute, um, you know, in reading some of his stuff the other day, I thought it'd be neat to put that into our leadership um, radio show because women's football, again, everybody looks at it as I'm fighting you. You're, this team is against this team. Absolutely 100% true. Whatever team we're going out to play this week, we want to win. We want them to know that we're tough. We want to hold our blocks. We want to push them down. We want to keep them from catching the ball. We, I totally get that we are at war on the football field. But opposite of that, totally separate of that, is women's football as an industry that we are together, unified, and working towards one, one goal. So um, I put in the leadership style so that people within women's football could think about the different leadership styles that are working and not working within their team. And then I wanted to put in some war strategies from Sun Tzu um, and his philosophies um, for winning, for um, subduing his opponent. Um, so I thought it'd be cool to kind of switch that up. And um, of course, I don't know if any of you have read any of Sun Tzu's stuff, but now it's actually turned into, they have a Sun Tzu for warfare, they have a Sun Tzu for business strategy, a Sun Tzu for, um, 
I don't know, management and organization and religion and all this kind of stuff. But I wanted to give you, there's this document was actually like thousands of, well, it was a long scroll at the time because it was years old, right? Um, on a Chinese scroll. But they transformed it or translated it into some sort of document that then became the Sun Tzu's book, etc. But um, there's several interesting things that he talks about. And so I just wanted to share a couple of them because I thought it'd be cute with leadership being our uh, focus for today. And I only have a few minutes left, but uh, let's talk about a couple of things. A leader leads by example, not force. So we go back to that autocratic leadership. Um, Sun Tzu obviously didn't totally agree with autocratic leadership. You have to believe in yourself as a leader going into war, going into battle. You have to believe in yourself. Um, then he talks about a little bit of strategy. Appear weak when you are strong and appear strong when you are weak. This has to do with mind uh, and confusing your opponent, um, which is really cool in women's football and uh, getting... Coaches use this a lot with changing things up or or not no, putting in plays that they didn't have in last week so that you just don't even know what's going on when you set foot on the football field. So really cool. Um, this is kind of a long one, so I'm going to skip that one. But um, the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. So this, when I envision this, what I envision is at the end of a football game and a team is losing, 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 and they start fighting. Players just start fighting and arguing in women's football. Um, and what's happening there is that the team that is overcoming them, the team that is overpowering or winning by um, a lot of points generally will stand back and allow that team that's fighting to get the penalties. What needs to be understood there is the team that is still overpowering the team that's fighting because they're not giving in to the fighting. They are subduing their enemy in one way and making them be disgruntled and fight. So I think that's a pretty cool concept. Um, Supreme excellence consists of breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. And that's, again, what I was just talking about. Um, getting the team frustrated, even at the beginning of a game. I, I see it a lot at the end of a game in women's football. But even at the beginning of the game, um, if you can overpower or create um, some superior excellence in the team without fighting, then you have the upper hand. Now that seems really philosophical and I'm not philosophical at all, but think about the power that that has within uh, the game of football. And you know, what I've envisioned is going up to the line, and my husband uses this all the time, but, um, and this may sound gross, but spitting and it's hanging off of your face mask and you're growling he talks about this all the time, so um, anybody that hears this is going to start laughing. But um, 
going up to the line and spitting a loogie onto your face mask and shaking it around and nobody wants just thinks you're the grossest thing they don't want it throws them off their game you have done nothing you've not even touched them yet and you're already getting into their mind as to how nervous or frightened they are of you that's a very powerful thing i don't suggest spitting loogies on your face mask every time you go up to the line but um you know it could work i guess um here's one victorious warriors win first and then go to war while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win so there's this idea or this psychological part of it women's football people don't realize it, it is not all about physicality it is not all about the having the best players on your team. Um, you see it in women's football all the time, these blowout games, 85 to zip, 65 to zip. That does not help women's football whatsoever. So victorious warriors win first and then go to war. They've already won in the locker room. Think about how powerful that statement is. There are some teams in women's football that have beaten the other team in the locker room before they even set foot on the field. It's huge. It's really big. Um, to know your enemy, you must become your enemy. Um, I agree, disagree with this one. I mean, it's a powerful statement. Um, there are some people that are my enemies that I will never become. I will never even try to become. Um, so that might be a strategy that I won't use. However, um, when it comes to women's football, to know your enemy, you must become your enemy. You have to understand what the, they're going to do so that you know what you need to do to defend it. It's pro probably most equates to film watching and understanding the other team. The old saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Um, here's one, even the finest sword plunges into salt water. Sorry, even the finest sword plunged into salt water will eventually rust. This is, this I kind of go two ways on. I, go positive versus negative, and I go good plan versus bad plan. Even the best plan not used correctly will eventually go bad. That's how I use it that way. Now, positive and negative, even being very, very positive, put in the wrong situation can come out negative. Now that might sound deep and philosophical as well, but um, the idea being that sometimes things don't end up the way you thought they were, or you even the most prepared wasn't prepared enough. I think that these some of these Sun Tzu uh, strategies or, or statements of how he strategized against his enemy are are really big. Um, Here's, this is a great one. I think I'm going to leave you with this one for women's football with leadership and Sun Tzu's strategies. It talks about strategy without tactics 
is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. Let me read that again really quick. Strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. I want to say that this embraces, this encompasses women's football. Because all of our teams have a strategy. But we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. And it's our slowest route to success in women's football. The opposite. Having all these ideas without any strategy is just noise. It's just BS. It's just wasting our time and we're already defeated. So these strategies and tactics need to come together so that we can get a faster route to victory and success in the industry of women's football. I appreciate you guys' time today. Um, I know leadership is probably not your most interesting topic that you want to be listening to, but I think that you take three or four of these leadership styles, melt them together, make them your own, and you can be hugely successful in women's football. Feel free to give me a call. I appreciate your time and energy. You guys have a great rest of your week.